So tell me what led me to want to, you know, interview you was the other day you told me that you did, I think it was a deadlift uh, or, squat. or it was a squat. Yeah. And you said, you know, a year ago I couldn't do this once right. and I just did it for five reps. So actually, so uh, th- this morning I actually ended up squatting again, ended up uh, blowing that one out of the water too. Wow. Uh, and so, so tell me, yeah, yeah. so... So give first of all share those numbers that yeah. way. So uh, this morning ended up hitting a 500 pound back squat for five reps. So wow. And you couldn't back squat what a year ago? 475 a year ago was uh, that that went down really quickly. And yeah, you know, okay. So for most people that are listening to this podcast, you know, I own a CrossFit gym. Yeah. So most of our members, right? I mean. I don't really think there is anyone who can back squat 500 pounds at our gym. My name is uh, Steve Kahn, uh, 24. Uh, originally from New York, but uh, currently currently working at Nutribolt down here in uh, Bryan College Station, Texas. Did you move down here for Nutribolt? Yeah, so uh, moved for the job. I, I've been in the industry for a few years, but... Uh, you know, obviously, Cellucor, Salvation, it's uh, some big brands to try to get into, and timing was right, and finally finally made it. Man, what exactly do you do for Nutribolt? So, I'm the International Product Compliance Coordinator. Um, the, the, the short of the long is essentially making sure that, you know, the, the products that we are so lucky to have in the U.S., you know, they don't always comply with regulations in other countries so being able to to bring those products overseas um, you know and at, at first you know at, at other companies I did a lot of domestic compliance but um, you know being able to to spread uh, our products across the world is you know a, a little more uh, you know important to me because you know people from all different backgrounds should be able to have you know products that we enjoy here. Yeah. And I've seen you here now for a couple of years. You're fairly young. So like how yeah. old were you when you started getting into this? So I started lifting when I was like 18, 19. Um, initially it was for, for ultimate Frisbee. I played in college. Um, and then that, that was just, you know, a couple works at workouts here and there. Um, really started getting into it. Um, like everyone, uh, because because of a girl. And just uh, in, for the record, letting listeners know, we're talking about powerlifting now. Like, oh, so you, no, because I yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It if you don't, I know what you're saying, but yeah. for people listening, maybe don't know that we're segueing, but you are competitive powerlifter. Yeah. So just kind of throw that out. There. Yeah. Yeah. What weight class? Uh, so I have been competing in the 83 kilo, so 183 pound weight class. I'm going to be moving up to the 93 kilo, uh, 205 pound weight class. Um, and just putting it in perspective, you know, for a lot of people that don't know a lot about powerlifting, for the record, what is your max deadlift, bench press, and back squat? Uh, so my maximum – so competition or – Gym. So we'll it, say most ever. So lifting. my my best one rep squat has been uh, 540 pounds. Best one rep bench has been 330, um, and my best deadlift has been 585. At uh, 183 pounds. Yeah. Okay. So now, I think now you've got everybody's attention. So continue. When did you? Get yeah. Into it? You said for, so, for a girl. For a yeah. Case. So I mean that that was that was more of like the the bodybuilding style of uh, of lifting. But I 
as I as I started to train for for athletics for frisbee, um, you know, I really really started falling in love with the, the process of training, not necessarily you know the the fact that I was you know training and I was getting better on the field. Like I was really falling in love with you know getting in there, grinding, and you know just enjoying the the movements for for what they were themselves. What when you say the process, because I think that 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 term's actually become kind of a thing in CrossFit. You know, Ben Bergeron, who's a coach uh, out of CrossFit New England, he talks about it in his book, Chasing Excellence, about the process. And, you know, it's basically enjoying the process, not so much the end goal. And so I'm, I'm kind of guessing that's what you're describing. Right, so, right. so talk about that process. So, you know, obviously um, everyone knows, you know, if, if you want to get faster, you want to get stronger, you want to get bigger like whatever whatever your goal is you know you, you gotta you gotta get in there you gotta get whether it's and i mean this, this can be applied to to anything whether it be um ath- athletically or professionally you know there, there's always this this level of you need to to dig deep in whatever trenches you're you're looking to to get through and then um there, there are certain tasks within that. So you've got your, you've got your goal, and then you've got your, your processes to get to that goal, and then you've got specific tasks within those goals, right? So and can so, you break it down specific to one of those lifts? Would yeah. it be as simple as saying, hey, I've, I want to squat 500 pounds? Right. So let's, let's take a 500-pound squat. So for example, um, obviously form is going to be extremely important. Um, so to, to get that form down, you're going to – do some drills you're going to perform the movement a lot like hundreds thousands of times um, on top of that you're going to find movements that are going to target those weaknesses so for me one of my favorites is um, is a pin squat so what you do is you you take your squat as you normally do but you have the safeties at such a level that you when you're in the bottom of the squat uh, the bar is resting on the pins and so what happens is you get onto the pins and then it's a dead stop and you have to push up from there. If you're not in a good position when you hit the pins, you're done. Like you cannot get it off the bar. Uh, you cannot get it off the pins. And so it really ingrains really good technique and, you know, loading that real heavy and having to, having to fight for your position. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite things. Some people, technique's not the issue. It's just the fact that, um, you know, they're, their quads aren't big enough or their hamstrings can't, you know, uh, doesn't allow them to control the weight. So for them, the, the process for them might be, um, focusing a lot on hypertrophy, uh, bodybuildings doing, you know, four sets of 25, of hamstring curls, you know, that's their process right now for, for me, um, it's a little bit, of, a little bit of everything. Um, being that I'm in between weight classes, it's, it's putting on muscle, um, but it's also making sure that that muscle that I'm putting on is being put to good use. And, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't really taken weight off the bar. Honestly, I, I've been making, I've been making huge PR since getting stronger. And even though the, the percentages of you know, the relative percentages of, you know, my one rep max have been less than they have been in, in the past couple of, uh, training blocks that I, I've been expecting. I mean, I've been, those percentages have not been reflective of where my max is now. So tell me what led me to want to, you know, interview you was the other day you told me 
that you did. I think it was a deadlift uh, or squat, or it was a squat. Yeah. And you said, you know, a year ago I couldn't do this once, right. and I just did it for five reps. So actually, so uh, th- this morning I actually ended up squatting again. Ended up uh, blowing that one out of the water too. Wow! Uh, and so, so uh, tell me, yeah, yeah. so. So give, first of all, share those numbers that yeah. way. So uh, this morning I ended up hitting a 500-pound back squat for five reps. So, wow. And you couldn't back squat what a year ago? 475 a year ago. was uh, that, that went down really quickly. And, yeah, you know, okay, so for most people that are listening to this podcast, you know I own a CrossFit gym. Yeah, so yeah. most of our members, right, I mean – I don't really think there is anyone who can back squat 500 pounds at our gym. And I know there's CrossFitters that can back squat 500 pounds, but so for them, let's just say it's a a guy who's at 315, right? And he is saying, well, I just did 335 for five, right? Or three, you know, 45 for five. And I couldn't do that one time oh yeah you know so your numbers are a lot larger so give me a little breakdown of how did how did you do it <laughs> you know like what yeah what so, did you do um you know when for for most of my my lifting career i was training myself um starting in uh actually march of, of this past year, uh, hired a coach locally, uh, David Wilson. He's over at Brazos Valley Barbell. Um, and having him with his experience um, and kind of his lens of, you know, he's already done whatever he needed to to get to his level, um, making sure I don't make the same mistakes that he might have when, when he was getting to that point, and even just kind of uh, helping me kind of filter through all the BS that, that is around. Cause you know, you've, you've got everyone who gets to the level that they get to through a variety of different paths. Some people, you know, just had a, had a great coach to begin with. Uh, some people just happen to be really genetically gifted and no matter what they do, they're going to, they're going to progress. So just being able to sift through what's most probable to work. Um, cause I mean, that, that's all training really is, is, you know, let's let's take this approach, and and see if it gets us to the result that we want. Because there are times you you might think, well, logically, if I um, if I do you know x amount more of tricep extensions, may, my bench press should go up. But maybe you were already at the the limit of your recoverable volume for for that block, so you actually went backwards. But you know, without without a second set of eyes, or you know. Um, a different perspective you might not you so might let's not talk a little bit about this because I think that there's a lot of value in the uh, first of all humbling yourself right. to know that you don't know everything yeah. and and then not only that but investing right in, in what you're trying to accomplish yeah. and so in hiring a coach you do exactly what he says right no more and no less well what's what's the what the, the great thing about the, the arrangement that David and I have is actually um, he, he oversees what I do, but for the most part, uh, I'm, I'm the one writing the programs. And so he'll, he'll say, you know, this, this design should work. You know, these accessory movements should work. As far as, you know, the rep schemes and everything, he, 
based on where we want to be, uh, based on how far out from a competition we are, he might say, you know, I really wouldn't do that if I were you. But at the end of the day, like, it's on me to make sure that, you know, I am doing what I think is right. And, you know, he... He said he he gives his input, but at the end of the day, you know, it's so my he's responsibility. He's like, I've been there before. I know what you know. Yeah. What you're getting into, and this is what I advise. Right. And you have to make that discernment. Right. And and probably like most athletes, you get to know your body, right? Right. The more that you're in tune with your body, you know when you can push and when you can't. Yeah, and that's that's kind of why when I when I approached him initially, that was that was kind of what I was going for. Was you know I at this point in my athletic career, I don't necessarily know that I. I'm comfortable enough giving up complete control. Um, you know, maybe maybe in a, a few years that I'll be I'll be mature enough to, to be able to say that. But um, yeah, at this point, you know, and it's been it's been working great. Yeah. So powerlifting um, it, it tests in three areas. Correct? Yeah. So it's the it's the one rep max for the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. And then you do how many meets a year? Is it something that you? eyeball a certain event and you work start training for it or is there championships is there you know qualifiers what how does it work so there powerlifting is interesting in that there are a lot of federations that that'll host meets so a lot of them are variety of 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 different um i guess levels of of judging um so the the most common one for um drug tested lifters would be the USA, the USAPL. Um, and then within that you've got, uh, well, so they, they go into the international, um, IPF. So that's the international powerlifting federation. They've got, you know, their world's events. Um, and so pretty much anybody in the USAPL is trying to get the world's is um, it is it drug tested everywhere? Uh, yes. So every event you, you, everybody gets drug tested. Yeah. Uh, so, it's not everyone, but it's, you know, you, it's a random one. So anybody could be drug gotcha. tested at any time. Um, and so, yeah, so the USAPL actually, uh, David ended up just winning, uh, his weight class. So he'll be going to worlds in Sweden this year. Um, wow. Yeah. It's awesome. But, um, yeah. And then you've got the USPA, which is the U S powerlifting association. They've got both tested and, non-tested events so it's really and um so the usapl they'll use the same bar for all three events uspa they have a squat bar a regular bar for bench and then a deadlift bar for deadlifts so it, it really comes down to your personal preference uh deadlift bars make deadlifts a lot more um a lot more easy just because they've got a lot more uh flex to them but you know for some people they just want to use regular old bar so they'll and you just did a competition yes about two months ago six weeks ago uh yeah it's like let's say two months ago two months ago i thought yeah. so okay so what uh t tell me about the uh, competition so that was uh so actually let's dial it back so that was raw nationals but so within powerlifting you've got you've got a couple of um divisions so you've got raw and you've got equipped so raw is pretty much what what anybody you see in the gym will go do it's you know, you wear a belt, maybe some wrist wraps, some knee sleeves if, if you really feel like it, and, you know, a pair of shoes, and that's that's all you need. Um, equipped powerlifting is, is where you'll see people with knee wraps, um, squat suits. Those are the people that are squatting, you know, 
a thousand, you know, 1200 pounds benching, you know, 800 pounds. So like within that, um, I mean, it's a lot more technically, um, demanding to do equipped. Um, raw is extremely accessible for pretty much everyone, which is why I think it's, it's become so big, uh, this year at, at raw nationals, there were 1200 lifters. Um, so I mean, it's, it's just getting bigger by the How'd year. How'd you end up? Uh, ended up coming in 12th in my weight class. Wow. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So that was a, uh, 512 pound squat, a 320 pound bench and a 567 pound deadlift, man. Okay. So <laughs> that's a lot of weight. The thing that comes to mind, and I think a lot of people, you know, can, they probably ask you this, right? I mean, you're 183 pounds, so it's not like you're a, a giant guy. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're very fit, obviously, but injuries, right? Like a yeah. lot of people probably say, man, you're going to hurt yourself. Or, um, how can you do all that stress for your body? Or you keep doing that, man, it's going to, you're going to be crippled. So what is your response to something like that? Well, usually, usually I laugh that off because, um, I've actually, I've actually been pretty crippling, uh, crippling, cripplingly injured. Um, when I was, when I was in college, uh, playing Frisbee, uh, ended up having hip surgery. So, I mean, I was, I was on crutches for six weeks. I had to do the full rehab. Um, and that's kind of where I fell in love with powerlifting was, you know, the, the PT was telling me like, Hey, you know, you're not, you're not gonna be able to lift heavy. And I was like, watch me. So, um, you know, came, came back from that season, um, about, about a month and a half earlier than they said I should be because, you know, I was, I was doing literally everything in my power, um, to, to rehab it. And so for me, injuries since then haven't really been an issue because, you know, you know, your, your body adapts to what you, what you put into it. Right. So the, the training volume you're going to adapt to, um, the, the reason why I can do what I do and not get injured is because I do it every day. I do it. I live it. Uh, you know, I, you know, I, I do what is required to keep me at the level that I'm at. And, and, and you know, it's probably a lot like a lot of things, right? Like marathoners. I mean, yeah. you think about how much they're running in, and, and would you say, I mean, is, is there a, uh, a specific body type that's going to be, that's going to respond better to this type of training than others? Or do you think we can just take anyone at, you know, Nutribolt, you guys have a couple hundred employees. Yeah. Okay. You think we could just take anyone and say, hey, we're going to put you on this powerlifting program and build them up to maybe not quite where you're at, obviously, but to a decently heavy and it not injure their bodies. Like, do you feel like the adaptation rule applies to just about any any build, any physique, any genetic? So I, I think I think that it it does uh, it does take into you know the the one thing you do need to take into account is is previous you know, injury history. So obviously I'm not going to try to take somebody who's, right. you know, had, you know, back issues. I mean, I, I have, I've had hip issues myself, but you know, I've gone through that in my own way. Um, I think that given enough time, uh, you know, any, the, the numbers that I've reached are by no means, you know, elite. Um, I think 
that that's one of the biggest things is, you know, can you put somebody on a powerlifting program tomorrow and have them achieve those results without injury? Maybe not. But if you, if you give them the time to really build the base, really get a foundation and really make sure that everything's efficient, everything is dialed in, that's where you're going to mitigate your injury risks. And, you know, obviously anything can happen. Yeah. One of my, and I, and I by no means put you on the spot with yeah. that question. And I think my follow-up question to that is then why, right, are people, and this is, again, totally your opinion, why are people not getting stronger? You know, like why do people hang out in that, you know, uh, we'll call it <laughs> whatever weight it is for whatever lift it is forever? So I think – I think uh, it's funny because I was actually talking to my girlfriend about this uh, in the morning, but I think one of the big things that gets people is it's not even physical, it's mental, right? And so you, you get to a point where I don't, I don't want to say you get comfortable because, I mean, you, you take somebody who, let, let's take our guy from earlier who did, you know, 335 for five. He can probably do 315 for, you know, probably, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, excuse me, 10 reps, you know, depending on his muscle fiber type, whatever. But I think at some point you got to, you got to decide what you want out of your lifting. So if you want to go heavy, you need to commit to that. And so, you know, maybe you don't touch 315 for a while. You hammer home that 335, 345, 365, maybe you get two reps and they're real ugly. Some, somebody might say, well, that was, that was maximal for me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch that for a while. The, when I was starting to really get into powerlifting, granted, I, I don't suggest this to anybody doing what I did. Um, but you know, I would go in and there would be a span of probably, you know, eight, nine weeks. I would not, you know, I touched 405 for the first time on squat. I didn't, load the bar any lighter than that for a top set. And I was like, you know what? I got it for one single this time. Next time I'm going to go for two, uh, two singles. And then the next week I went in for three singles. Uh, the week after that I would do a single and I'd be like, okay, let me see if I can hit this for a double. And I would just hammer home four Oh five until it was nothing to me. Now with the prerequisite of having that technique right. dialed in, Right. right, and I think that could be another issue. Yeah, is somebody, you know, they're like, "All right, I'm inspired." Yeah, Steve, oh, just no. pump me up. I'm going to put 315, and I'm not going to go less. But their if their technique right is is not dialed in. Yeah, and I'm like I said, you know, it's 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 kind of individual, and that you know, for for my mindset, that made sense to me, um, and I think that's why I bought into it so much, and I think that's why I improved on it so much, is because buy-in is huge. So, you know, if you are comfortable with where you're at, then by all means, just keep doing that and, you know, continue to build within that. Cause you know, you don't, you don't need to squat 500 pounds to, to be strong. I mean, you know, that's, that's something that my dad and I always talk about is this lens of like, I always say like, yeah, there's so many people ahead of me. Like I'm not strong. And he's like, you have to realize 1% of the population is ever going to even get close to like a 400 pound squat. So what you're doing is, you know, you're, you're comparing yourself to the top 10% 
of the top 1% of yep. the population. And, you know, I, th I think I put a lot of value on where my strength is, but, uh, you know, strength isn't, isn't an ends by, by any means, you know? Do you, you said, you mentioned mindset. So give me some kind of perspective on how you've had to mature in your own mindset and, and, it seems like you put a lot of value on mindset. Yeah. I would 100% agree with you, but give me a little testimony, a little personal. Uh, so uh, since, since um, I started my lifting journey in college, obviously one of the, one of the hardest things to do, uh, you know, when, when you think about it is like, oh, how do I balance classes and, and lifting? And maybe maybe I was a little strange because I I did the deep dive like right when I started getting into it I was doing 6 a.m. workouts I was counting macros I was weighing my food like from day one and I just like hopped into that but one of one of the one of the things was I would get all my homework done early so that I could go to sleep early so that I could wake up for the gym the next day and then using the gym as almost you know the carrot as opposed to a stick you know, that everyone's like, Oh, I have to work out. And I was like, no, like I want to work out. And one of, one of the things was people would be like, you know, you're setting your alarm for five fifteen. Like, how are you waking up for it? And I, th I think, um, one of, one of the mantras I adopted was, was, you know, everyone always focuses on, um, where their goals are going to take them. Um, uh, and you know, Doss is a, is a great testament to this because he, he started from, you know, starting a business and he hasn't forgotten who he was, which is why he's still a really good person and a CEO. Right. And so not letting, not letting the person you were be forgotten. And so in my mind, if that person set an alarm because they wanted me to wake up, to work out, to reach my goals later, why should I, uh, you know, deprive them of, of that luxury of being able to see it and have their values be appreciated, right? And so I think a lot of times we get lost in grinding to get to where we want to be, but sometimes forgetting where we came from. Yeah, and never essentially changing. Right. You know, I mean, maturing and, and growing up and probably adapting, but at the right. same time, uh, remembering who you were. I think you're so right. And me, you know, my story is, uh, was overweight, drank five or six Cokes a day, you know, 18 years old, which is 18 years ago, decided I didn't want to live that life anymore. But man, not a day goes by that I don't remember being that guy, right? Yeah. And, and that guy had to grind. That guy had to go out and run when he didn't want to run. Yeah. That guy had to make sacrifices. And essentially, I'm still that person. Right. You know? And I think what you say is so, such a good uh, way of reminding yourself mentally. Like, like, that's why you're here every morning. Like, yeah. I see you here at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You know, every single day and, and, and you're still being that guy that you were just a few years ago yeah you know i think that's important so one thing i got a question because you are here so early and i see you up here do you, uh, like do you warm up because <laughs> it seems like i think it was the other day too it was a friday morning or whatever that morning yeah. was man i, I think y'all went to 500 pounds on deadlifts within just a few minutes i thought to myself man like what is so for powerlifting is that normal is that just something that 
Uh, I you mean, don't waste reps. Like, is there a so, thought process behind it? So some people, you know, uh, my, my coach included, they'll do like, you know, a five minute stationary bike, just get the joints moving and everything. Excuse me. Uh, and it's five o'clock in the morning. So oh, it's, yeah. it's like you literally probably, I don't know what time you get up, but it hadn't been up very long. So no, um, <laughs> honestly, like I don't personally feel like I need to warm up all that much just because. Uh, you know, I keep myself in, in, you know, good enough mobility shape that I can, I can kind of get through everything and everything will kind of groove as I'm going. Um, so yeah, like the start with the bar and then for deadlifts, the first one, I, the first one up, I just slap on the hundreds and it's 245. So like, um, I, I think that, you know, warm ups are, are definitely important. Don't get me wrong. Um, but also they, they should be taken seriously, but I think some, sometimes people overvalue them, you know, they feel, they feel like crap and then they, they take weight off the bar because, oh, it's not going to be good today. But like you, the, the less time you think about it, the, the less the, times you have to convince yourselves you can't do it, which right. goes back to mindset. Yeah. That makes so, sense. What um, you're you're switching weight classes? So tell yeah. me, if, is there a a reason for that? Is that to become more competitive? Yeah. So I mean, um, I I forget which powerlifter said it, but um, they they made the joke that that weight classes are really height classes in disguise. And being being six foot, hundred eighty three pounds, you know, you you look at everyone else. You know, the the champion this year, uh, Russell Orhe was. I think he's like five 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 six i mean the the kids like jacked but you, you can't really put on that kind of muscle on a frame unless you really commit to to filling it out and at six foot i mean that filling it out i'd probably have to be 240 250 to to really make that happen and so staying down in the 180 pounds like that's that's not going to cut it for now you putting on i guess what 17 pounds yeah is that going to give you what kind of return on strength? Because I would imagine yeah. when you're starting to talk about weight classes relative to maxes, you know, if you, you get in the next weight class, but you only got five pounds more, and I'm just saying that randomly, per lift, it probably wasn't worth it. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you really have to – really comes down to how, how serious you're taking the sport. So, I mean – for the, for the most part, you're, you're not going to be cutting down to weight classes if you're, if you're going to be casual about it. Um, but, I mean, I was, I was sitting around 190, 189 pounds before competitions, and I'd cut weight, and it sucked. And, you know, I'm going to have to probably cut weight when I get up to, you know, 205. I'll probably end up getting up to, like, 210. So I'll, I'll still have to cut weight. But, I mean, I was, I was at such low body fat percentage, I was probably, you know, nine or ten percent you know that's that's where you start taking the hits on on your strength because you're you're too lean uh you really can't th there's no real give and take in terms of not losing muscle and you know keeping keeping everything when you're trying to cut or even maintain your weight do you do you see this being something you're going to stick with for a really long time. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously barring any like major, major injuries. Uh, that's, 
that's something that I've really committed myself mentally was, you know, when I, when I first reached out to David, I was thinking, you know, is this a sport that I really want to pursue? And excuse me. And, you know, having, having done team sports in the past, uh, but also having done track, I realized, you know, there's, there's a value to team sports, obviously, you know, camaraderie and, and the, all the challenges that, that team sports do bring. But I think one of the biggest challenges I always had with team sports was, you know, trying to take charge. And if somebody else messed up, I didn't want to blame it on somebody else. Like if something bad happened, I wanted all of it to be on me and taking responsibility for that. So if, you know, uh, in, in Frisbee, I was what they call, uh, a handler so it's pretty much like the quarterback of the team um and you know i can put up perfect throws all day if somebody drops them on the other end it's their fault but i i couldn't blame them for it so i always took it upon myself and you know for me i feel like individual sports give me that accountability of it's all on you like you know Mm -hmm. your coach can tell you to do this but like the end of the day it's you lifting the weights it's you doing everything if you don't perform that's on you where do you because you have an immense amount of discipline (laughs) and work ethic um it's apparent just from how often you're in here and the time of day you you're in here and the amount of time you put into this where does that come from did you see that your parents you know working hard did you have uh, you know, have you always been this way? Uh, so I think, I think the reason why I am this way is because uh, a few years back, I was, I was talking to my dad and, you know, I've, I've obviously matured since I was a little kid, but he was like, you know, kid, you, you used to be a real pain in my ass. And so, um, just, uh, I guess as, as a respect thing to him, you know, he, he always he he works in the uh, New York State courts, so you know every day dress up in a suit and like just go to work and you know being able to you know aspire to to be that kind of person to to be someone who is extremely mature and can just get down and you know do whatever he needs to. I mean he he's a finan- he was a financial analyst. Now he's in IT, and you know digging through those numbers all day and then he comes home he's the school board president as well so that's a volunteer job that takes hours every month um and he's looking at more numbers just to make sure that other people are in a good spot in the district because he cares and so (laughs) to to put your effort towards what you care about and you know maybe maybe right now me caring about this strength sport a little bit selfish, but well, no, I, I got the time. It sounds like he's right modeled now. that, right? right? Like you've observed your dad. Yeah. And I think we, as, as I mean, just, I, I've learned so much from my dad. Like you, you, you watch that your whole life. And now it's like you're, uh, you become a reflection of that, yeah. you know, and what one day might transition. I bet you in, yes, this is one area of your life that probably you're calling selfish, but at the same time, I bet there's other areas that you're doing the same thing, whether it's here at the company or, you know, in other relationship so okay i got two more questions obviously yeah. you work in nutribolt um what supplements do you take what are your favorite products that you guys have uh so 
creatine monohydrates a staple. I mean, that's it, even before I was at Nutribolt, that was, that was the one thing that did not change. Um, you know, obviously protein is a big thing. Uh, right now I'm my, my daily macronutrients, I'm taking in 260 grams of protein. So ha- having a, a protein supplement that tastes good and is effective, uh, is important. So I've been, I've been, Chowing down on some of that uh, Stem Pro oh, recently, dude. That oh, it's man. not peanut butter, but it's kind of tastes like peanut butter. What's it called? The, Is it the cookie butter. Cookie butter. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, having having carbonated C four on deck is always good. Uh, I I've always been always been partial towards the Ultimate line just because I'm a beta alanine junkie, but. Um, Caffeine can't hurt, right? That's awesome, man. Okay, so last question. Uh, I told you before we started recording, title of the podcast is Building Better People. Um, it, at our gym, or you know, our purpose is building better people. We believe that what we do for a living, right, and helping people, uh, creating an environment for people to come exercise, work out, become healthier versions of themselves, actually makes them a better version of themselves in their lives, everyday lives. And so in your case, looking at what you do in powerlifting, right? You're getting in here at five o'clock in the morning, you're competing and, and taking your workouts uh, to an entirely new level. How does that make you a better version of you? So, I mean, I think, I think a lot of, a lot of what we do is kind of a reflection of, of who we were and going, going back to what we were talking about before. And, uh, you know, growing up, uh, I had a bunch of, you know, self-esteem issues. I had, you know, a lot of personal issues that I, that I ended up dealing with. And so, um, being able to, to have confidence in something that you have control over, um, is, has been huge for me. So in it, being able to have that discipline and have that accountability, um, you know, after a while, you know, when, when I was having those, those issues, you know, you, you, it's very easy to feel for, sorry for yourself, but feeling sorry for yourself doesn't get results. Right. And so all it does is make you feel worse. So what you can do with that is take that and okay, well, why, why are you feeling this way? And then take that and make it a positive. Uh, that's, that's always been something that, uh, I've, I've always tried to do has been, you know, if somebody in your life is setting a bad example, that's fine, but that's a bad example. Let's use that, take it, make it into a positive. Um, and I, I don't think that there's ever such thing as a bad learning experience. And, you know, that person that I was has made me who I am today. And, you know, I wouldn't trade anything for it, even though I probably, looking back, might have handled things differently. Um, just being able to build confidence through the sport I think has been immense and in, in helping me help other people too because if, if you haven't taken care of yourself you really you really can't help others in, in the ways that you, sh- you would like to at the end of the day thank you for tuning in today don't forget to subscribe to the Building Better People podcast where you will hear more stories of individuals being positively impacted by living a healthy lifestyle